So, uh, we have been speaking about, Shabindra is revealing us about the boundless energy. This is something which we can see, we can conceptualize intellectually of boundless space and endless time. We can conceptualize that, the stream which is running. And in this stream there are tremendous activity which is going on. So this much is easy to see and understand and uh, this is what in later Buddhism, I am using this word later Buddhism at great risk because there are people who would say no, no, not later, this is what the Buddha said. But to my understanding, Buddha did speak of a permanent but the way it is understood today and for practical purposes that is it because his purpose was limited. That All that you need to know is that there is this stupendous energy which is flowing in time and how this energy has come into being well you can put it this way that it is acting all the time and every action produces energy action and reaction so it is continuing to expand itself and renew itself through various form and energy this is modern science admits that that there is this play between matter and energy which is a very interesting play because you know it has to be always in balance so, Buddhism literally sees it like that, that there is this constant flow of energy um, through endless time. It's like a river which is flowing. We don't know where it started, where it... And we are caught in the river. So, we are go tumbling down to wherever it is taking us. But uh, because uh, we pass through rough rides and high tides and we don't know how to do rafting or swimming, probably we drown several times and emerge... So there is a tendency to find the way out of the river and it teaches us how to come out of the river, come out of this energy of movement. But then where, does we, where do we come out? So therefore the whole thing is that there is nowhere to be come out. It's just that you can dissolve within this energy that little world which I identify or, or with which the sense of ego comes. It's a, as we said these are questions which remain unanswered. That who comes out, who profits by the escape? It's a constant world and why should one even try to come out? Because anyways, nothing is going to continue forever. So, well, there are ways it tries to answer. But not going into it, this is easier to conceive that there is boundless energy. So, how do we conceive of infinite existence, infinite energy pouring itself is easy to understand. So, there is, it doesn't uh, seem to us we can logicize that, well, where it is, is it extending into, okay, there is endless space. Where did time begin? Where is it going? So we can use the word boundless time. It has no beginning and no end. So we can speak about space having no beginning and no end. We can speak, speak about time having no beginning and no end. And all the movement within it. And purely on the basis of this energy in motion, we can explain this entire universe. But then, yes... To both logic and common sense, a question comes. Where is it really expanding into? There must, there, there must be some ground, some base. I don't see it. But possibly it exists. It doesn't seem logical that it is suddenly moving in and expanding. But where is it entering? Where is it emerged from? And from that human mind's pure reason, we can arrive at this idea of a stable basis. And this stable basis cannot be finite. Because out of finite basis only finite energy can come. 
just like energy is infinite the basis also existence has to be infinite so there is infinite existence and one way to understand it is just looking at ourselves because it's the same model so we can use this simple exercise that we all are busy working acting thinking sometimes people say i was thinking you know what i was thinking who was thinking so what what really happens when i say i was thinking i am a witness to my thoughts unknowingly and therefore i say that there is an i which saw that or experience thought within him so automatically there is somebody who is witness and if we extend this we we had a glimpse in the cosmic consciousness a cosmic witness so there is some state in which can witness this entire creation and if we go into this witness still deeper that's why infinite existence sat cannot be just by looking at because this energy and its actions are concealing it it is like a cover so mystics had a way of uh, expressing this profound truth um, one of the mystic uh, i think it is narsi mehta he says very beautifully nikhil brahmand mein ek to hi hari so this there is only one we have also this another one by guru nanak when he went to jagannath puri and that time he was i believe uh, for whatever reason the temple had closed and he couldn't go inside so he sits uh, outside and he sees the sky studded with stars so he comes out with this shabad that you know gagan mandal mein thal virajat so he looks at the space is a big thali in which all the diyas are burning at the altar of the unseen and shubindo uses something very similar in one of his writings on parabrahman he says that when we look at this universe and it seems nature is offering all her prayers to the unseen beloved at the altar of the unseen beloved it's a unseen that's why it is said he is unseen he is ineffable that is the last bedrock so we can see energy we can understand works we can understand prakriti we can understand shakti but what is she dancing on so another logical way to look at it is that if there is this infinite energy it must have some origin so one way to understand is that its origin is infinite existence but the problem there is we create a division between the shakti and its origin the other way to look at it that is how buddhist uh, thinkers try to explain they say well if there is energy of motion it implies there is a possibility of energy of repose in the sense it stops its motion withdraws into itself so when it withdraws into itself there is the sense of stability so all these mental gymnastics humanity has done to try to find but what is the way to find it well the gyan yogi follows on the way by completely rejecting everything that is moving to discover the unmoving that's how it is said in the ishopanishad ane jade ka manuso javiyo and then tade jati tanne jati tad dure tadvantike so through this kind of contemplation this strain to discover that one infinite existence the last bedrock that's why it's called truth that truth is not about a legal truths 
that truth means it is the last indivisible infinite existence where we touch last bedrock it the unsurpassable barrier you can't go beyond it beyond it you dissolve you cannot know the only way to go beyond it is by dissolving into it and melting into it finished and then there is nobody to come and tell oh you know what it is there <laughs> so that's why we see savitri shrivinder describe when he is face to face with the that unknowable that's why it's called as unknowable so when he is face to face with the unknowable the, the great purusha what does he say he describes like that even self and world they all seem to vanish into it and then but he is carrying a different aspiration what to do he wants transformation of the world then he has that experience which is what in the life divine is described in a different way so what is the great experience he has even he he reaches that point where he can just dissolve and melt and then he discovers something he sees that i have reached the eternal no but where is the lovers yes that gave sanction to this game and he says only the eternal no is near and what is his desire here to fulfill himself was god's desire god has planted in him that desire to fulfill himself not annulment but perfection divine self fulfillment so beautiful lines after that even as he stood on beings naked edge naked edge one step there and you're gone so many of the mystics what they used to do shri ramakrishna would say ha ha kare gire pade if you want to remain stay here on this edge help whatever you want to do great master but one day you have to go that side when you cross nothing can be said upanishad simply speaks of it like that ha ha hu you you can't speak about it don't speak about it avigyatam vijanata avigyatam abhinna there are ways of expressing that you can't speak about that in expressible mystery but shrivinda says the unknowable the unknown is not necessarily unknowable you can become it now what is meant by becoming it here is in this becoming also he is flowing and there is a possibility that you can become not only one with the being but also with the becoming that point where the being is becoming where the one becomes the many that meeting ground is the supermind you jump one way this way gone so why these mystics couldn't really touch that because they climb the rungs of ladder even up to the overmind but overmind very few have reached even below intuitive mind let's say higher mind everywhere there is that one in divisible existence but you can't sense it by anything in any of these rungs of the ladder except when you jump or you have a glimpse you get that sense you are drawn and ultimately you jump you take the plunge when you take the plunge you don't return to get back this sense comes at a certain point this what recently there was a interesting dance drama on chaitanya mahaprabhu it's a very touching uh, semi tragic semi beautiful story that you know through dance drama that he is drawn by krishna and there are his wife his mother they are all trying to he is but as he he understand their pain but again he looks at krishna is smiling there he wants to go there again they try to he tries to climb again they pull him back 
then he is caught then at one point he just cannot help it and he goes and he and krishna become one he, he doesn't come back so we see that in many of the mystic stories radha uh, sorry um, meera so there comes a time when she completely merges into krishna she becomes krishna mercy the difference is gone so this is been because that is indefinable ineffable but yet if you reach a point you get this, some glimpse of it but shobindo uses the word hurried glimpse as if you are taking a car through a porch and suddenly oh this is it something like the way i had a glimpse of the white house with my friend in dc he was driving me and telling me all about things and then after some time he realized that i have slept off <laughs> and he said <laughs> are i was telling you white house is gone he said doesn't matter i have seen it on tv i am not interested in seeing it at close quarters i just passed by okay fine sleeping he suddenly realized that i have not seen it but he had taken me around and was telling me things and i was jet lagged and not least interested in that so there is a hurried glimpse where you say so supposing i went past and saw i could have said i saw the white house but did i see the white house no so it is said that the there is a hurried glimpse one can have but if one enters one cannot come back this is how it is described but hurried glimpse also because this boundless energy is covering it from every side what she is doing she is dancing before her eternal lover and beloved so basically it's a game going on between the two they are dancing with each other and as she is dancing she is building new forms and patterns rijana but there is another image also to make it equal let's be we call feminist and racist and god knows shiva is dancing and as he is dancing many many sparks are flying and worlds are emerging out of that stupendous dance so shurbindo for the first time says no it's possible to stand in that spot point where this infinite existence and this infinite shakti become one that's why supermind is described as omnipotence and the omniscience of the divine there is that full knowledge full power within that contained within that if we miss the clue of the supermind we will either have this energy in which we are climbing through stairs and buddhist description is very interesting you leap from the stair but as we have said it is like leaving the stair hanging unsupported this is the problem with that kind of thought that where is this stair ladder through which then there is another this was all an illusion who was climbing so we have already spoken about it but shurbindo completes the journey where did this stair originate from so he sees it is the supermind where the impulse to create sachidananda's poise when he begins to create so we'll talk about it when we come to it. it's a very fascinating thing so supermind is that point where infinite existence and infinite shakti they come together their dance is no more that from a distance she is dancing they are now doing no more uh, you know they are doing salsa they you know very close going they are going here and you know uh, not just rock and roll but very nice intimate embrace with each other so if we reach there it's possible 
for nature and uh, God to become true and one. Then this unity can take place. So this is what he speaks of in some of these passages. I'll just touch some of them. He takes us through this soul journey and then takes us to this place where by being a witness. So we are on page 84. Last few lines where we have already spoken about that. So long as the intuition fixes itself only upon that which we become, we see ourselves as a continual progression of movement and change in consciousness in the eternal succession of time. Or we may use the word rebirth if we put in the immortal soul or we may use simply caught in the mesh of a net of change, that's all. If we take the Buddhist view. We are the river, the flame of the Buddhist illustration. But there is a supreme experience and supreme intuition by which we go back behind our surface self and find that this becoming change succession are only a mode of our being and that there is that in us which is not involved at all in the becoming. This we can always just to even concentrate in that self-awareness. Why self-awareness is so powerful? Actually, self-awareness is invariably a psychological phenomena. Instantly, space and time dissolve. It's something to be just tried, even one moment. Nobody should patent it. <laughs> just one moment of pure self-awareness. Space and time dissolve. The moment you get back to when was that moment you are back in time. And the beauty is there is no such one moment because the moment you catch the moment, it says catch me if you can, tata bye bye. This is the strange part about, if you really look at it, time, how it flies. You try to say, okay, this moment, it's gone sir. This moment is gone. <laughs> so, you can't wait, it's a constant stream. Similarly, self-awareness, just for a moment, just become aware, turn the consciousness within. Nothing great, it's not some big uh, meditation we have to do. Become aware, just becoming aware. That's why these mindfulness techniques and all are so powerful. Because you just become aware, you take the breath, breath is a movement. Any movement one can use, actually technically, but this is a movement available and then the breath becomes uh, lesser and lesser and then we enter into a state where all is blank. In that moment, there is nothing, literally nothing, because nothing corresponds to anything which is recognizable, space, time, you can't say which space, what time. The moment you say, you try to come out, it's all vanishes. So this is an experience which can be had relatively uh, quite easily. So he says that there is the witness. Not only can we have the intuition of this that is stable and eternal in us, not only can we have the glimpse of it in experience behind the veil of continually fleeting becomings, but we can draw back into it and live in it entirely, so affecting an entire change in our external life and in our attitude and in our action upon the movement of the world. Very powerful lever. There, is, there are yogas like that, just to be the witness self. and Sometimes can lead to strange conclusions like... Um, Dara, he would meditate Sayyid Ibrahim in his room and if people went, they found a lot of smoke. <laughs> there was one in his fingers, <laughs> the cigarette 
and there were two mosquito coils held by his between the two <laughs> great toe and thumb because coming from a princely state no mosquito and there is a very interesting story described about somebody who entered the room saw suddenly that his windows were open so someone put uh, you know that uh, to steal put a uh, put a rod and he knew where the shirt is took the shirt took it away and then another rod a uh, uh, same rod second shirt takes it away. this man is watching and he shouted hey, chori ho raha is you know being stolen and then he looks at dara dara is just watching all this he said do you know your shirt is being stolen is it yes i am a witness to this so it can actually this witness state is very very powerful this you know and even the gita speaks of this as the first if you read the gita synthesis of yoga this is the first powerful leverage it liberates us from the becoming whenever we get distressed and troubled we should become a witness only problem is it this is very irritating to the other person the person is saying you have no interest in what i am saying so if you remain a witness it is good for you but sometimes very bad for your <laughs> relationship because for the other person you are not taking interest but this is your way of defending yourself from this becoming and if we deepen it enough it can completely change and shobindo speaks about it in the synthesis in the gita the method is turn this buddhi inward and upward rather than outward and downward this is the method prescribed by the gita to touch this witness state and he says what is that perfected witness state aporyamadam achalam pratishtham achalam so as many rivers enter into a sea and you remain achalam you are unmoved within so that's the state we reach but this is only the first state in the gita but in many yogas it it will be the end point yoga samatvam yoga uchyate because one reaches in enters into a state of equanimity so this is one so the pure existent is then a fact and no mere concept it is the fundamental reality but let us hasten to add the movement the energy the becoming are also a fact also a reality so those who enter into this then they say ho gaya i am out of the river after some time my clothes will dry off fall off and i'll be gone i don't want to get into this movement so this is the old yoga but shubhendu say this too is the divine the divine in away from the motion the divine in the flow being is becoming this one of the mahavakya which comes below and he says we have therefore two fundamental facts of pure existence same page and of world existence a fact of being a fact of becoming to deny one or the other is easy so that's what andam tama pravishanti ye avidyam upasate one is caught in the flux and the flow i am going by the flow so then you deny the being or i am out of the flow you deny the becoming that's what yogis do to deny one or the other is easy to recognize the fact of consciousness and find out their relation is the true and fruitful wisdom how beautiful this is to be one at once with the existence and its movement consciousness it is this which is expressing itself as the delight of existence 
and then this last couple of paras stability and movement we must remember are only our psychological representations of the absolute even as our oneness and multitude the absolute is beyond stability and movement as it is beyond unity and multiplicity so we this is the last division that we have to cross world ex- now what a marvelous line world existence is the ecstatic dance of shiva which multiplies the body of the god numberlessly to the view it leaves that white ex- it leaves that white existence precisely where and what it was ever is and ever will be its sole absolute object is the joy of the dancing so it's not that when god enters into becoming he leaves his throne he is simultaneously there as well as simultaneously here flowing in the flow of time this is the great truth that shobindo comes to reveal and further but as we cannot describe or think out the absolute in itself because there is a point where thought ceases to be it must change into living experience beyond stability and movement beyond unity and multitude nor is that at all our business we must accept the double fact admit both shiva and kali and seek to know what is this measureless movement in time and space with regard to that timeless and spaceless pure existence one and stable to which measure and measurelessness are inapplicable so we have this now this image of kali dancing on shiva's breast on the breast of shiva stays the eternal dance so kali is time kala so this is motion that changes time who is changing time the force of the divine that's why she is the highest force all the gods are under her in shubhendu's prayer we see he speaks about this god that god at the end he says let me not be subject to these gods o kali because kali is the greatest she changes the entire and when she takes a leap all the gods have to follow this is their problem because when kali dances they are unable to catch up and they have to catch up they better catch up so the play becomes sometimes so fast so rapid that they are unable to catch up so then they go to shiva please do something so shiva stays the dance this is the story and the image but this is the perpetual fact that he offers his breast for the dance of the shakti with the world as theater and our lives as actors and roles and the still greater truth is based on what we have just read he is the dreamer and the dream he is the maker and the world he made he is the vision and he is the seer this is the the two who are one and play in many worlds in knowledge and ignorance they have spoken and met our light and darkness are there eyes interchange how beautiful so when we start looking at world as the two who are one then there is a possibility of transformation if we create a division between this movement and infinite existence which is somewhere brahman beyond then there cannot be a possibility of transformation in that case we have to leap from any of the stairs into that which is known as sachidanand but no term is adequate and be done with it 
or else we climb up the stair to find the meeting point. This is the beauty of Shurabindo. That he was not in a haste. And that's why he says, don't be in a haste to cut the cosmic knot. Why? Because one has, that's why, that's the difference between Krishna and Shiva. If you go to Shiva, you say, okay, what do you want? Moksha? Okay. Where? Where will you give me? Come to Shamshan. Meaning thereby die. Die to the ego, I'll give you moksha. You go to Shamshan, Shiva is there, Kali is there, propelled you into moksha. You ask Krishna, I want moksha. You'll say, yes, I'll grant you. How? Come to the battlefield of Guru Shetra, I'll grant you moksha. <laughs> now, this is the difference. Shiva can cut the knot of the world march. That is his power. Why? Because he's the great destroyer as well as the creator. As Pragya, if we go back to the ancient Upanishadic symbol or the, and the Puranas, Shiva is the Poona Pragya. From Pragya, he releases the, you know, the seeds of creation into Hiranagar. And Hiranagar is Vishnu sleeping and then Virat, Brahma is the last person in the whole link. And Krishna is everywhere from top to bottom. He is Ananda. So Shiva will say, okay, come back. So all these people who went away from the world, they have this... Turn towards Shiva. You will see that. But Krishna has his way. He ties us with his smile. So you don't want to leave the play. <laughs> you say, really moksha. But you know, this is something very attractive. So he lures us. Then after some time you discover, oh my God, this is so horrible. Shiva, Shiva, Shiva. Then Krishna will again come and smile. Another form. And you are ensnared again. Then again, you know, Shiva comes after some time. Then Krishna is at his tricks again. That's how Shubhinda says in one of his aphorisms that, uh, you know, uh, first Krishna lured me and I was tricked by him, but then when I he discovered that he has lured him, so he is uh, annoyed and angry. Uh, but then he once again comes and lures him. He says, but this time I had to pardon him <laughs> because he realizes. What is this play of Krishna? That's why Krishna's play is very difficult. Why? Because he does not want us to leave the play unless we have discovered the fullness. That is the difference. So Krishna speaks about Lok Sangraharth. Krishna speaks about don't confuse the buddhi of those who do not know. So Krishna and Shurabindo is that's how we can see. He has an aspect of Shiva, but Shurabindo says I didn't have a particular liking to that aspect. So we see that Krishna turning everybody into Krishna Maya. He is leading the march of civilization forward. Where? Ultimately to the doors of the supermind. Krishna goes to the doors of the supermind in the Gita, says knock knock and then he says, oh, I have to come as Sri Aurobindo. So he, no, he stops. So where does he knock? He says, Vyakto Aam, Avyakto Aam. Where does he knock at the gates of the supermind? Where he suddenly shows the Vishru. I am transcendent, cosmic and individual in one reality. Then where does he knock the doors of the supermind? He says, cryptically, goes beyond his divine brief. He says, you know, the yogis who try to conquer old age and death are the greatest of yogis. Then he says, oh my God, Shurabindo has to say this. So several places we see Sri Krishna almost touching the doors. And then he is saying, no, 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 Arjuna, I am not supposed to tell you all this. But I will come back. And I will come back as Sri Aurobindo and fulfill this world with utter God. It's line in one of Sri Aurobindo's poem where he says, Until Sri Krishna 
utterly returns and fills this god with his delight and existence satya truth and consciousness and force and each of us can become miniature krishnas but in oneness with that infinity so we'll stop here we'll just have a few minutes of uh, meditation